This is Michelle Gibbs. My husband Mike and I have been married for 16 years and we live in Idaho with our five children. The oldest is 14 and the youngest is one year old. I love studying the scriptures and preparing for this podcast every week really helps me to have more inspiration and revelation for my own life and also for my family. Join me each week as I share some of the thoughts that I have as I study the scriptures using the Come Follow Me course by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This week we are studying Helaman chapters 13 through 16, and this is where we get to read about Samuel the Lamanite and the prophet and how he comes and teaches and preaches to the Nephites, trying to tell them to repent and telling them that Jesus Christ will soon be born and giving them signs for his birth and also for his death. And at this time, most of the Nephites are not being righteous and there's just a lot of wicked things going on and they actually kick Samuel out of their cities initially and so then he comes back after the Lord tells him to climbs on the on their wall the city wall and preaches from there and tells them that they need to repent or they're going to be destroyed and in chapter 14 of Helaman verse 14 he says to them it is for the righteous sake that it is spared but behold the time cometh saith the Lord when ye shall cast out the righteous from among you then shall ye be ripe for destruction yea woe be unto this great city because of the wickedness and abominations which are in her and for some reason this verse made me think about a talk I heard Elder Bednar give and he was talking to the youth about having good thoughts at least I think it was the youth now I'm second-guessing myself but he was he was talking about having good thoughts and filling our mind with pure things and my husband was actually just talking about this talk from Elder Bednar on Sunday when we were studying together as a family and that brought it back to my mind so as I was reading this week this verse reminded me of that again because Elder Bednar says, if we have, so what my husband used was navy beans and black beans to show the difference between good thoughts and bad thoughts. So our head is like a container filled full of beans. And if our head is already full, in order to put another bean in, we have to take one out. I don't feel like I'm explaining this very well. <laughs> You'll have to listen to Elder Bednar's talk. It's a lot better. And I don't think he talked about beans, but he used something else very similar. But so if the navy beans represent good, pure thoughts and the black beans represent negative thoughts and sins and things like that, every time we have a negative thought or a bad thing, we're pushing out one of those good, pure thoughts from our mind in order to make room for the bad thoughts. And so the more bad thoughts we put in, the less good thoughts we can have in. But it works in reverse, so that if we want to rid our minds of those negative thoughts, all we have to do is replace them with positive thoughts and things from the spirit. And I feel like that is kind of happening here in this verse and at this time with the Nephites because most of the Nephites are wicked 
and there's only just a few left that are righteous and he's just saying beware because the more of those that you get rid of <laughs> the more filled with wickedness the city is and that's when we're ripe for destruction so it was just a reminder to me that in my own life to make sure that I'm trying to replace the negative with things of the spirit so that I'm not letting negative thoughts and actions overwhelm my life and take over so that my life resembles more like the Nephite cities at this time. We want to be righteous and we want to work every day to try to make ourselves a little bit more pure and clean. And that's really what Samuel is talking to each one of them about so that they can do that in their own lives and then as a group help each other to do the same. So he's talking a lot to them about the Savior and the signs of the Savior and the joy and gladness that comes as the Savior is born and through his life, through his atonement and through the resurrection. And I've been thinking a lot about being joyful this week. And there were a couple of verses that really stuck out to me. First, they were both in chapter 13. The first one is verse 7, and he says, Behold, an angel of the Lord hath declared it unto me, and he did bring glad tidings to my soul. And behold, I was sent unto you to declare it unto you also, that ye might have glad tidings. But behold, ye would not receive me. And... From that verse, I got to thinking about how Heavenly Father wants us to be joyful and He wants us to be happy. But when we don't receive Him, we don't receive the Spirit, and we shut those things out of our lives, we can't have that joy or those glad tidings. And that's what Samuel's telling them right there. And then again in verse 38, he says, Ye have sought for happiness in doing iniquity, which thing is contrary to the nature of that righteousness which is in our great and eternal head. And that just reminded me that sometimes we fill our lives full of all kinds of things that we think will make us happy and we seek to be happy through worldly cares and worldly activities, but true glad tidings and joy come as we turn our hearts to God and as we find peace and happiness through our testimonies of Jesus Christ and through serving each other. Part of what I was thinking about this week is one evening I was saying my, or I guess it was in the morning, I was saying my morning prayers and I just, I feel like I have a lot going on right now in my own personal life and so every day is really, really busy and I sometimes feel like I'm running around trying to do everything I can for everybody who needs me to do things for them, just even just in my family and a little bit outside, but mostly even just here at home and I, in my prayers, prayed that I could be everything I needed to be for other people and do everything that I needed to do for other people. And as I was thinking about this, it was a little bit stressful and I just thought, I just have to do all these things, help me to do all these things. And the thought came to me as I was praying that maybe that was the wrong approach for me in my life right now. And so I kind of scratched that part of the prayer off and started again and just said, Heavenly Father, please help me to be joyful today. Help me to find joy in my life and to be happy. And it just amazed me in that moment. It clicked and I realized there are times in our lives when we're busy and I think we're mostly all mostly busy all the time. <laughs> and 
what we are here on this life to do is to to obey and to return to Heavenly Father, but to find joy as we do it. Men are that they might have joy. And so as I'm doing all these things and running around and trying to check everything off of my to-do list, if I can be joyful in my life and find those glad tidings that come through the Savior and His atonement and the re resurrection, then all those other things are worth it. And it no longer becomes an overwhelming task that I hope to get through and not be buried, but it becomes just happiness in my life. And I was amazed at the difference that that made as I changed my prayers to that this week, how much happier I've been and less stressed. And I've enjoyed even the chores and things that are busy have been a lot more enjoyable to me this week. And so that's been a great experience for me. And I really feel like in Helaman here, Samuel is trying to, he wants the Nephites to find that joy because he has it in his life. He has felt it through the Savior's atonement and through the Spirit working in his life and his testimony there. And so he wants to share that with the Nephites. And they just choose not to receive it. At least many of them choose that. So the manual talks about how Samuel gives them all these signs and things to watch for for Jesus's birth and also for his death and crucifixion and resurrection. And so it talks, it encourages us to think about signs that the Lord has given to each one of us to help us believe in him and ways that we have witnessed his hand in our lives. And I was thinking about that. And the one thing that really came to my mind was actually moving to Idaho. And my kids have heard me share this, I think, a few times before, but I just wanted to record it so that they can have it forever. <laughs> but um, my husband and I were in college, and actually I had finished college, and we had one little baby, Carson. He was just a year old, and my husband had, he was, it was in the spring semester, and he had one more semester that fall, and then he was going to graduate with his degree in engineering. And... We were looking for internships for the summer, and we had found a couple in Wyoming, and that's where we were going to school, was at the University of Wyoming, and we were looking at some internships, but just through this fluke, associate of Mike's in the, uh, in the engineering college, he came across an opportunity in Idaho Falls, and we didn't even know the kid very well, and it was his wife's father who put him in touch with this job so he didn't even know the people that worked there it was just kind of a, a long shot but Mike turned in paperwork for you know he turned in his resume and other things and applied and a kid I say kid we were all kids back then but a man who worked there he was a young man and he had graduated from the University of Wyoming and so when he saw my husband's name on there and that he was a student at UW, he was so excited to have somebody else from his college that he took Mike's resume and he gave it to the boss and the boss said, sure, let's have, let's get him in for an interview and see. So we took the several hour drive to Idaho Falls and everything I think that could have gone wrong probably did on that trip. We didn't get out at a good hour. It was fairly late. So when we got into Idaho Falls, it was like 1130 or later and it was dark We'd never been here. I'd actually never even considered Idaho as a place to live. I knew it was there, but it just never occurred to me that I would want to settle here at the time. And so we moved, we came into the city, but the directions that I had printed off at the time, we had to print things off on 
Google and you just had papers of instructions to get you places instead of any kind of an app on a phone or anything. And so the, the instructions that I printed off were bad. And we had a really hard time finding the hotel. We were in the middle of these farming fields in the dark and we didn't know where we were. It was kind of funny. Anyway, we got to the hotel, stayed the night. In the morning, my husband went to his job interview and of course, those directions that I printed off apparently were also bad and he ended up having to call his boss and say, I don't know where I am, I'm lost, sorry I'm not there for the interview. So he ended up getting to the interview late and it just was kind of rough because anytime you start off that way it makes it a little rough. But when he came back from the interview I said, how did it go? And he said, it, it was kind of rough but I think I got the job and I remember thinking, okay, but if it went rough... <laughs> The chances aren't great for getting the job if you don't have a good interview, but Mike felt really good about it and we left Idaho Falls and I was thinking, well, it would have been a great opportunity to live here, but it's probably not meant to be. But one thing after another happened and we ended up getting the job here and we came for the internship. We ended up getting offered a job when he graduated in December. And so we went back to college and we moved back here and things fell into place. We were able to find a place to live and just, it's been a wonderful experience for us. But that whole experience, especially all the things that went wrong as we came to Idaho Falls for the interview and, and then he ended up still being offered this internship. And that was a testimony to me that Heavenly Father is looking out for our lives because I see all the blessings that have come to us as we've been here in Idaho for the last, oh, I don't know, 12 or 12 and a half years. It's been such a great, we've, our family's grown and we've just learned so much and we've had so many wonderful opportunities. I know Heavenly Father led us here and that experience in my life really solidified the fact that Heavenly Father has and invest, well, I don't know how to say this. He, he loves us and he wants to help us and he does help us. And if we take the time to look for his hand in our lives, we'll find it. Just like Samuel is teaching to the Nephites and telling them, look for these signs because they're signs that Heavenly Father loves us and that he's sending his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to be an example for us, to show us the way back home and to atone for us and to be resurrected so that we can be resurrected and just all of the blessings that came from that and Heavenly Father loves us enough to show us signs so that we know what's coming and so it's been great for me to think about all the experiences in my life that have shown me Heavenly Father loves me and that he's looking out for me and helping me to know what it is that he wants me to do. So next week we are studying 3rd Nephi, chapters 1 through 7. Have a great week.